Yo. Hey, can you hear me? Hey. Yeah. Okay, I sound okay? Yeah. Like you can hear me fine? Yeah. I mean, okay. your voice sounds different than it did before, but yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right. Can you hear this? Hi, babe. <laughs> what about this? Hi, doggy. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. What about this? Good job, buddy. Hey. It's a little quiet. I recognize that voice. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's do it then. Okay. Um. Oh, oh, one second. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're back. Right? Is that what you call it? Are yeah. you are you back? Yeah, most I mean, this is going to be this is going to be as rough as it probably sounds. Right. Because I got COVID. Yeah. Last week. Um poor baby got COVID. Finally. Mm-hmm. And the the COVID that I got was the brain COVID. Um the brain you said? Straight. Brain. Uh-huh. Like have you have you heard of like the COVID fog brain or whatever? Uh, I guess. Yeah. Well, I could not. I mean, along with all every other symptom that I had, which I didn't know COVID made you vomit, mm-hmm. but m- mind it. I mean, yeah, I guess I assumed at this point COVID is like a catch-all. It it makes you do anything at once. Yeah. Well, the the weirdest effect on me was. Like I was basically like catatonic. Oh, uh-huh. I just couldn't. I couldn't look at my phone. I was basically just laid out and just not able to sleep and just hoping that I could, you know, fall asleep. Right. But it wouldn't let me control my my thoughts. Like so, I'd be laying there and it would just be like running a repeat, like image like one time it was an image mm-hmm. and other times it was like incoherent thoughts but like a loop of it where i couldn't break out of the cycle and um it truly made me feel like i'm not saying this as a pejorative right like it made me feel crazy mm-hmm. um, it's literally silly yeah i wish it was it was <laughs> literally terrifying mm-hmm. i was just laying here like I can't get my brain to stop whatever right. this image is. It's just throwing this image at me again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even a good image. It was like a geometric shape. It was like geometric shape. Mm-hmm. So. so anyway, um, my brain fog is still there. So, okay. you know. But well, I'm, don't worry. Uh, We've got some Wikipedia summaries to go through. It'll clear everything right up for you. <laughs> in depth. <laughs> Wikipedia summaries, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we got we got a double episode. Yeah. So we missed a week because of that, and now we're recording over the phone because I don't want to get sick, and I don't want my family. Yeah. Now he's the baby. Get brain COVID. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into episode seven. Do you know the name? Yeah. Titled Irving. Big adventure. <laughs> yeah, the egg bar is coveted as fuck. 
called Defiant Jazz after the name of the track that Helly picks for her uh, musical dance music experience. Dance experience is officially canceled. Yeah. Um, are, are those, did you do some whisper drops? No, see, well, first of all, yes, that is whispered in the show. But I they recorded so I recorded the audio directly from the like like with an app, right? Not like some janky busted way. And it, right. it's so quiet. I have no idea why. But then when I go it's to my normal when I go to my normal drops. Okie dokie. Sounds great. Oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> great. Babies are racist. Right? I'd like to hear more of that drop. Uh, that's part. Ted Cruz. Babies yeah. are racist. Um, okay, so Defiant Jazz, do you want to just get into the summary? Do you have any initial uh, 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 big, big, big tent thoughts? I mean, you know, big, big tent thought is it definitely feels like one of those, you know, which it, it, now it's interesting at the parallels going on. Um, because the Applebee's thing, you know, came out, right? right? Mm -hmm. We we already talked about that. And then now they brought Howard Schultz back to Starbucks to basically stop the union efforts, right? Right. Starbucks. And then you have... um, Is Howard Schultz... Who was the guy that ran for president? Howard Dean? No... What there was some, oh, what, there was some CEO guy that was a Democratic nominee. Like, I mean, at the last during the last election. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's Bloomberg. No, um, he was known but, for like wearing ties. <laughs> you right? gotta do more than wearing ties. Wearing colorful ties. That's all they do. Yeah. I mean, when I think Howard Schultz, Schultz maybe I, I only think, was it the Whole Foods CEO. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I only think of um, Connor O'Malley um, right. when he would do his, like, videos on Howard Schultz running for president, and right. um, and, he's, and he was always bleeding out of, like, some part of his head <laughs> while he was screaming about it. Um, yeah, so Howard Schultz is back, you know, Amazon, um, one of their stores unionized, and in the midst of all of this, all you hear is, you know, the, the CEO perspective is that our company, our companies are being assaulted, right, by these efforts to unionize and to try and convince you that we're not a good company, mm-hmm. right? And they don't, they can't accept the fact that they, that as a company, you know, they're their their reason for being right is no further than the workers who provide the the product right that they produce mm-hmm. that should be that that should be the perspective but instead all the ceos have convinced themselves that you know like their companies are agents of good you know that their company's doing more somebody played a, a clip of howard schultz you know, talking about, um, you know, <laughs> comparing Starbucks to giving blankets to Holocaust um, <laughs> survivors mm-hmm. and like, people in in concentration camps, as if a corporation can do a moral good 
like that, you know, especially on the level of Starbucks. Right. Where, yeah, like he doesn't know who works for him. You know what I mean? He doesn't know uh, what the day-to-day of each store is. He just needs to believe in this broad idea that, you know, this company is is on, on the level of, you know, helping Holocaust um, survivors. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's definitely what this made me think of, where it's like, you think you're having a bad time, but that's impossible because you work for us. And look what a great time, you know, you are having. Not even, here's a great time that you can be having, you are having this good time. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely what came through in this episode for me, just that brainwashing, you know, push to like accept the, the benevolence of the company you work for. Right. You know? Go like a boot, Mark. Go like a boot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, like it. Right. It's a candy boot. Who cares if it actually isn't? We're right. telling you. Um, did you watch, so you were, you were sick when this one came out or next, the next episode? How did you watch the episodes? Right. I was kind of getting it for when I watched both. Okay. So, um, I kind of rewatched half of one and then i remember the last one pretty good so i I think i'm okay okay all right so episode seven defiant jazz uh while mark is meeting with ragabi grainer enters the building now when this happened did you think because you get the 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 shot where he's talking to ragabi right and then it's grainer coming down the hallway and like mark is like perfectly in the middle did you think right where he doesn't see her right Right before yeah. he, yeah, because Grainer doesn't know that she's there. Did you think right. that Grainer's like was in on it? Because when it first happened, I was like, oh, so Grainer is the the mole. Hundred percent. Yeah. And it's it's funny that you say that because I did rewatch it and I, I I rewatched it with the idea to try and identify if it was just poorly shot and edited mm-hmm. to make you feel like oh he's. He was called, he's coming up, he's like, okay, I'm here to explain what else is going on, how we're going to take down Lumen. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it done really, really well to hide the fact that you you assume he's walking in on it, but he can't see her, and then she just <laughs> jumps out the back with his head in. Right. <laughs> Which was all the, the more shocking, and in watching it the second time, I... I'm falling on the line that it was purposefully, it's an awkward thing to have to stage, right? Somebody walks in on two people have a secret meeting. That person sees one of them, right. does not see the other, and then starts talking to that one person. Because again, there's so many points where you're like, did he not hear her talk at all? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was literally just talking. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, it just brings up so many questions of like, how oblivious was he? How long right. was he? Apparently, he wasn't standing outside the door for very long. He just burst right in. Exactly. And, and he burst in when Mark was talking, right? So, like, yeah. he just assumes that what Mark is talking to himself. Like, yeah, it, I think it was edited with that intention of making it feel kind of shocking. But now that I talk through it, I think it was 
conceived. It, it's ill conceived. Yeah, and it it definitely this episode and the next episode, I just didn't care for these opening sequences, and I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it's just something about it's just like I just it just didn't feel right to me. Um, Did I help? Yeah, sure. Um, well, sure. <laughs> well, well, Mark is meeting with Rogabi Grainer and enters the building following a tip from campus security and tells Mark he works with him. Rogabi kills Grainer and gives Mark uh, his access card. Sorry, hold on a second. Rogabi kills Grainer, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm so glad. Hits him with a couple bonks. <laughs> Um, Rogabi kills Grainer and gives Mark his access card, telling him to bring it to his innie. Um, yeah. uh, does this get and, and it brings up all those things that you don't want to spend too much time thinking about, which is like if you were it's Rogabi, mm-hmm. you know, you, you literally just killed a man in front of this guy that you're trying to convince you're the good, <laughs> good people, right? And yeah. you just you don't have any time for him. Get yeah. Grab his arm. Help me out here. Um, now you need to take this. You need to go. Right. Don't like, throw up. Yeah. Your yeah, DNA. Yeah. Your DNA. Yeah. And you're just like, all right, Ragab, let's, let's, right. let's slow it down a bit here, right? Because you're starting to, like, move me away from your cost. Yeah, that's like, what I'm, I'm saying. Like, the whole thing felt very cost. sort of, like, tonally off. You know what I mean? For the series. Um, and I don't see it being mentioned in the rest of this, um, summary, but Ragabi is revealed in this episode or at some point that she is the one who performs the severance operation, right? Or she was the one that, I think she's the one that does it. Yeah. Um, and she's defected. And she, and she's working with, or she's the one that got PD out, which I'm sure we talked about before. Okay, Devin tells Cobell, which I now realized her name is Cobell, not Cobel, posing as Miss Selvig, that she suspects Gabby severed her memories to avoid the pains of childbirth. We talked about that. That 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 Gabby severed herself. The senator's right, wife. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. Sorry, I'm catching up. Yep, I got it. I got that. Um, somebody posted something on Reddit about Cobell that I thought was interesting. Um, Harmony Cobell from another time? Question mark. The Jack Frost needs another dandruff shampoo. Struck me as so odd and corny. That and, that was that was the worst right. thing. She I also heard says, utter. Uh, "Then the wouldn't remember Clark Gable line." Uh, Keir Egan died in nineteen thirty. You've gone with the wind, starring Clark Gable came out. Oh, so yeah, she's done a couple of things for sure. That's been like, like out of out of touch with like how old she appears to be, right? Yeah, uh, and that yeah, has I, to be on purpose, right? Right. No, I, I I totally agree. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like a character building thing, or if it is like, if there's like a deeper purpose to it, right? Or if she's trying to 
you know, play a character and kind of over overselling, you know, the kind of age age stuff. Yeah. I think it also too probably plays into a little bit of the um of the idea that she was kind of that we settled on, I guess, that she was kind of like born and raised to serve the Egans. So kind of maybe just this like uh sheltered existence, you know? Um Yeah, it's there's an interesting film that I watched called After Yang, mm-hmm. and it's a, a science fiction, you know, film where they kind of don't explain a lot of concepts. You just accept that in the future, you know, these things are uh, operational and 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 you know integrated into the society. So they have. Um, like robot helpers, like nannies, you know, things like that. And then they also have clones. Um, and there are two characters. You know, one is a uh, techno sapien, is what they're called, but, mm-hmm. but a robot helper. And then another um, character is a clone. And, and again, they don't even worry about explaining, well, what is cloning technology? How does it work? But the characters, especially the clone, operate and is written in a way where, you know, th- you don't have to explain how they're acting. They're, they're just like, you know, one point uh character asks something, she's like, this, this is a human question, you know. Meanwhile, she looks completely human, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, in just that little moment, do I have a, a, a recollect, like in my remembrance, she, she's not. She's actually a, a clone. And that's an interesting way I felt like for that film to, you know, portray those characters, right? Where mm-hmm. it's just in the context clues of how they're naturally operating in the society without any big ticket moments pointing to it. And that's definitely the feeling that I get with Cobell, right? Where mm-hmm. she almost does feel manufactured in some way um, where she doesn't seem, I mean, even going back to her stairs, right? And even in this episode, all those stairs that she gives Milchek, right? Milchek is clearly freaked out by her, you yeah. know? Um, and at first, I kept waiting for Milchek to get the power balance back. I'm kind of jumping ahead to the to the most recent episode. Right. And and I won't, I won't comment on that, only to say that the power balance never swings in his favor at all. You know what I mean? Like she controls. She has a firm handle of that. Well, it does at the dynamic. end of the next episode. No, but I mean, like even when she's leaving, oh, right? I hear like, you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even as she's leaving, she's still able to like stare him down in the hallway as she takes her box, right? Right. I I was waiting for a moment of Milchick to kind of, you know, again show the upper hand, like, get out of here and kick her in the butt or something, you know. Um, but he clearly is just like does not want to mess with her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all of that to say that there there is something you know to her, whether she is something you know manufactured or or, or that makes her different, or if she's just a very strong willed person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, and there this there's another theory. Uh, on the subreddit again, of course. Now Cobell's the good guy, not Milchik anymore, but Cobell's the good guy. Which 
I don't see. Um, but I mean, it's this very long, involved post, very well thought out. Again, it's you're kind of getting into like lost and like true detective territory, which like I think we're just spending too much time reading into things. But she does seem to be more concerned with reintegration than anything else. Right? Like she's like really into that idea. And I don't know if it's, if it's necessarily like for the good of the employees, you know what I mean? But that's definitely like her, her whole bent on the situation. Well, yeah, I mean, she's, she's clearly doing, um, experiments. I think within her department, outside of the purview of, of the motherboard or the, or the, the, the board, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one of those, because you have Granger who confronts her, right? Um, like an episode ago, where he's like, you didn't tell the board yet? And she's like, right. you know, get, get, get out of here. Um, so, and then you have her trying to seemingly create a connection between Mark and his wife. Right. Um, why is she trying to do that? Seems to be counter to what Lumen is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't know. I wouldn't go as far as to say she's the good character now, the good person. Um, and it feels a little too on the nose for her to be like openly flaunting bringing down Lumen that directly, yeah. you know. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm anticipating that there might be some mystery still at the end of the next episode, but I'm expecting to know Cobell to, to be pretty locked in on, on what her deal is. Right. Uh, Milchick engages in a music dance experience with the department as a prize for Heli. Dylan refuses to participate and eventually attacks Milchik, enraged that he cannot know any more information about his child. The music child. dance experience is officially canceled. Thoughts on the music dance experience? Uh, brilliant. I mean, yeah. the, the the actor playing Milchik is—he's amazing. Oh my god! And I don't know if there's a choreographer. But the move that he picked or mm-hmm. the move that the choreographer picked for him, especially when he's dancing behind Dylan, mm-hmm. I just, it was the perfect balance of like the most obnoxious move that, was, <laughs> that I could see pissing anybody off and hilarious move, right? Uh, yeah. and, and there's like, there's like three of them. It's like a wave. Right. There's the one where he's going like on each, each side of Dylan. like, bouncing yeah. his face back and forth. Um, yeah, man, he was just, he was eating that scene alive. And um, and then Dylan was great, too, when, when Dylan attacked him um, and bit him. And then when Milchick, <laughs> you broke the skin. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. Again, though, like very, like a very, um, like, childlike uh, exactly. encounter, you know what I mean? He gets bitten. He cries about the skin being. Yeah, it's, it was great. It's so good. Um, 
Milchik leaves to report the incident to Cobell. Dylan, meanwhile, tells the department of Lumen's ability to wake them up outside the severed floor known as an overtime contingency. Um, uh, Mark and Helly scheme to find the security office. Inside, they find Lumen strictly... They find Lumen strictly monitors all of its employees and that the overtime contingency is activated using two levers. Dylan offers to stay behind after hours to wake Mark and Helly up on the outside. Um, the other thing I found, this is kind of a side note, after, after um, watching this episode eight, I lost all motivation to talk or think about episode seven at all. (laughs) I knew that would happen. (laughs) I don't know if it's just because like the movie, the the story gets moved forward an extra step. So it's like, why are we going back to that last step? You know what I mean? But it was like, this all feels a little futile. (laughs) Right. We already know, uh, you know, what, what happened. Uh, Irving departs to O&D, worried for Bert's safety. Upon arrival, he discovers that Bert is retiring and openly berates the non-severed Milchik for exploiting the severed employees. You smug motherfucker. That line read? Yeah. Again, like, if Milchik hadn't screamed, you broke the skin, you right. smug motherfucker. Is is. That's such a great line. Yeah, this whole that whole sequence too is amazing. The the whole, oh that my whole interaction. Um, the video. Bert's retirement speech is hilarious, right? Good job, Bert. I, <laughs> I I don't know what any of you look like, um, <laughs> but you've left an impression, I'm sure. Um, right. And then at the end, he kind of looks at his watch. Right. He's like, okay, I'm done. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Yeah. Um, And there was also some interesting talk about, obviously that's a, that whole sequence is really funny and that speech is really funny. Do you think there's any, is there any other like intentionality to that speech? Like in, in a way, like, do you, is it, is it constructed in a way purposefully to upset Irving? Or do you think it's just, again, it's just the retirement speech? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because it goes to the idea of, um, you know, like, again, if, if I look at it thematically, I, I immediately think about the fact that in, in, a lot of the jobs I've worked, a lot of the offices, people who I disagree with, you know, politically, personally, we can still, in some ways, recognize different levels of exploitation that's happening, mm-hmm. you know, by whatever organization we're working for. Um, and again, a lot of that came up when everyone was coming back off of COVID restrictions. And there are various levels of comfort with that and how it was met with, you know, departments or organizations being like, tough luck, get back in here. And some workers being like, 
absolutely not. I, w- I will not. You know, I'd rather quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw that in your workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have these different levels of tolerance and, and people are tolerating their own personal, you know, feelings of, of, of that kind of line of exploitation, right? When is it too, too much for, again, if you think about the idea of unionizing, that you could have a situation that's ripe for a union, but usually it's always a fight still, right? Because other people are nervous about other workers are nervous about what change will mean for them. You know, maybe they're just getting by and they know and can identify, yeah, we're not getting paid enough or it's not safe enough or whatever else. But at least if I show up to work tomorrow, I'm going to have a job, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I make it the whole day, I'm going to be able to feed my family. So I'd rather just keep going with that than to change or alter it up so that speech to me really identified at some point it turned i i think there's a moment in the beginning where i was like oh this is actually kind of sweet right that he's actually trying to convey true feeling in Mm -hmm. a retirement speech but then quickly he just starts repeating himself right and you're like oh no he doesn't really care he's just he's talking to people that he knows he'll never meet Mm -hmm. that does not value and he's just like, yeah, hey, for guys. For all intents I'm and sure purposes, they just don't even exist. Yes. For all intents and purposes, they don't even exist. And it got to the point where I was like, everybody in that room has to have a different level of recognition with how long the speech is going. Like, this guy does not care about us, you know? Or there's a right between us that there's no way for us to matter to this person, mm-hmm. you know? They, even if you think they're doing the best they can, you could still be offended by that speech. You know what I mean? If you don't think he was trying, then you would definitely be offended by that speech. Um, and, and, and again, how that plays with people is, is going to be wildly different, even though at some level, I'm sure they could probably all in that moment look around and be like, that, that was, that was, that sucked, right? You know, and that's like, yeah, that did really suck. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that, I mean that to me is, is definitely what I thought of on a on a thematic level, and then on any other kind of like, why did they structure it right that way? You know, nothing else really jumped out at me. Like, I didn't pick up on um, some like a hidden intention other than this guy was asked to make this retirement video. He sat down, he tried to fill up enough space, and then he ran out of words. It was like I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, right, and I think too it kind of plays into again the 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 idea that Milchik is a good guy, right? Because now he's encouraged. He's it, the the running theory now is that he's purposefully trying to make all of the worker. He's trying to make all of MDR angry so they revolt. <laughs> yeah, I mean that came to my mind initially with with the book. Right? Why would he leave the book? Right. Why would he leave the book? Well, you know, he the, he he didn't make a mistake with Dylan. He did it on purpose, so he knew he had a kid, so he would be have a reason to like get out. Blah 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 blah. Exactly. And why would he pick those three really annoying dance moves to do behind him? <laughs> but he knew he was like, oh, this this third yeah. one's gonna get him when I start like strutting like a chicken behind him. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, he's just he's not as infallible as his like demeanor makes him seem. You know what I mean? Like he's so stoic and serious that it seems like he's kind of like he should be on top of everything. But I think at the end of the day, he's just not. He makes mistakes just like everybody else. Yeah. Um. After work, Alexa is vis. After work, Alexa visits a drunken Mark who school who scares her off, ripping up a photo of Gemma. After she leaves, Mark re- reassembles the photo, revealing it to be of Miss Casey. Yeah. Did you that whole confrontation with Rock too, where he ripped up the the, the photo? That was um. That's a, a serious cringe moment for me. I was that's tough watching. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did you know who the photo was of after he put it back together? <laughs> I could not tell that that <laughs> was Miss Casey. Because <laughs> the lighting wasn't harsh enough. I don't exa- um, I don't know what it was, but as soon as it happened, I was like, okay, well, I know that's supposed to be somebody I know. So I just what, what went I to like the about it. <laughs> what I, I see, I wish we we watched this together because I would have loved to watch you during that scene because it's so drawn out oh yeah oh yeah you know it's going to reveal somebody who you've already seen exactly you know it's going to be somebody right you're wondering who but it's like every time it's his finger then his fingernails right there (laughs) also it's it's like the austin power scene where he's covering up his dick the whole time (laughs) (laughs) exactly i also when you when you tape together a ripped up picture wouldn't you do it on the reverse, would you flip it face down, <laughs> put it together, and then tape all the back of it? Yeah, that way you don't sure. have random tape over your your precious photo that yeah. you uh, re, re uh, assembled. Um, yeah. So then it gets revealed, and I remember. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think who I who I thought it would be. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you know, is it Eliar? You know, even though I I knew that that. Wasn't really it. Um, when it turned out to be her, I remember it was it was either it's either a sign of a really good twist or like I, it was like the rest of development where I was like her, her, <laughs> right. really her, um, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a good it's a it's a good twist and and then in the episode before earlier in the episode you have them passing through, through the hall right right yeah. you have that moment where they're kind of really close together and you feel like something happens between them maybe mm-hmm. so you know I, I i do think that they seeded that in there interestingly um but yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's her Ed. okay Now onto the episode that matters. Exactly. That old stuff. Okie dokie. Uh, episode eight. What's for dinner? Um, and I don't think I have this anywhere in my notes, so we'll talk about it right now since the name of the episode is What's for Dinner. And I I know that you mentioned it 
in the first episode we talked about, have you, do you have any more feelings about the symbolism of food in the show? Uh, I mean, mainly it's, it's absence, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think, did they show, like, a full plate of food in this? Yeah, so there seems to only have been, f- the only time we've ever seen food was in the Lumen office building. Well, we remember his, his um, sister making the sandwich mm. in, like, episode two. Uh, there's also somebody orders like a cheeseburger or something in, in one of the episodes and somebody on the subreddit did like a close up of the cheeseburger and it looked crazy. Um, but there's a crazy. Yeah, it was really strange looking. Um, uh. There was a Twitter Q&A that all of the uh, cast members did. And apparently Ben Stiller said that there is a significance to like the lack the lack of food in the world yeah yeah no i i definitely got that it, what, what i found interesting because in the first episode you had that dinner party where there's no food right right and then they, they, they kind of talk about food in kind of an abstract way and then you have mark eating a sandwich right after mm-hmm. so i was like i was also like a sandwich is a weird thing to have if there's a world that's struggling with food scarcity mm-hmm. because the sandwich incorporates like four different foods. Sandwiches are a, a very wasteful food, you know? Mm-hmm. You only need like one piece of lettuce. <laughs> oh, let me cut up this tomato. I just put one, one piece uh-huh. of that tomato. And, you know what I mean? And so uh, that threw me off that it's like if, if there's like a food shortage other than what I'm thinking it might be, which is they're all living in a future where, you know, food is scarce but can be supplemented by, like, take this pill, right? Yeah. So you, you take a pill and then you only eat once a day or twice a day or something. Your dream. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, episode eight, what's for dinner? Irving's Audi is shown to be living alone in an apartment where he spends much of his time painting identical images of the dark corridor. Listening to the same Motorhead song. Listening to Ace of Spades, painting the court, the dark corridor, which is where um, Miss Casey gets sent down. Um, yeah, yeah I, 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 immediately, I did not like, again, I didn't like the sequence. It, it, it yeah. felt so strange. I mean, not strange. I just didn't like it. I just thought it was yeah. corny. <laughs> it, yeah, it made me think of Royal Tenenbaums, where they're introducing all the characters and um, Chad. No, it's not Chaz. Um, Luke Wilson just won't stop painting pictures of his stepsister. Uh huh. And um, then Alec Baldwin, as the narrator, just goes, "He failed to develop as an artist." <laughs> and you're like, "That's that, that's perfect." Just right. One after the other. He's just gonna slather it with black paint, throw a little red triangle up top, mm-hmm. call it a day. You know, take him the amount of time for Ace of Spades to play. You know, he's done. 
Right. So the black goo that he was seeing is obviously the black paint, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah. Which I'm assuming represents, like, his Audi seeping into the, his subconscious seeping into the severed floor. Yeah, it made me think with, with Irving, did you get this feeling like he doesn't sleep? You know, because he's right. still so brewing that coffee. Right. So somebody pointed that out on subreddit too. Is he doesn't sleep? His painting seems to be done like late at night, and he's yeah, he's brewing coffee to keep himself awake. And then earlier in the season, um, and I also saw this when I was going back to get some of the sound clips. Uh, Milchik is like, there's a scene where Milchik is like making sure Irving stays awake. Um, and obviously there's like, obviously like productivity reasons for that. Right. But there's also the idea of like, if you go to sleep, you're going to have dreams, which is your subconscious, which is something apparently like the, um, something that the severed chip can't control. Yeah. It, it made, definitely made me wonder like, you know, severance, severance doesn't negate the need for sleep. Like, just because you are not aware, um, you know, he, he obviously, so, I mean, in the show, what he's, I, I just wonder how long he's been doing that, right? right. In the show, he's been working at Lumen for a few years. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Some, the, apparently he's been working at Lumen for longer than he's been in any, for longer than he's been severed. So that, is why he is familiar with the elevator that goes to testing. That's the theory is because he's been down that corridor when he was reprogrammed, I guess. Right. And so I'm like, how, how long could you actually go without sleep? Yeah. You definitely can go a year. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, and then somebody else pointed out on the subreddit, I just noticed while watching episode six that the park that Devin and her baby walk through and see the senator and his wife uh, is the same park we see Audi Irving sitting at with his dog in episode eight. Oh. Uh, and apparently his dog's name is Radar. Did you pick up on that? radar that's what the subreddit says and the reason it's meaningful is because during his wellness session with miss casey she says your audi loves the sound of radar weirdo yeah um kelly reaches 100 percent on her data refinement file thereby meeting mdr's quota for the quarter is is re- really quick the, the wellness session because Mark goes for a wellness session, but the stuff she reads about his Audi doesn't seem right. to be true. That's what I was going to say because my initial note was because that whole radar thing was like was like the jumping off point for people to be like, oh, he's a sailor because his fingers are dirty and he likes the sound of radar, right? And then all <laughs> the other stuff seems like just total non sequiturs. I think at one point during Mark's. She says, your Audi can pitch a tent in five minutes. So it just seems like meaningless stuff, which is what I assumed it was. But then, again, somebody on the suburb was like, no, it's the name of his dog. So it's so sweet because he loves the sound of his dog. And I was like, well, okay, I guess. I don't remember <laughs> that. Yeah, it, 
yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is I, I would venture a guess that no living person likes the sound of radar. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a sound that somebody's like, ah, relaxing, right. good old radar. Right. Uh, Heli reaches 100% on her data refinement file, thereby meeting MDR's quota for the quarter. And then that's when she gets the, um, the cure video. I love you. Tells her, tells her that he loves her. Right. The, the Cure video, I thought, was also done very, very well. Yeah. And again, that that kind of how it would look and feel. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a satirical look at, you know, all the ways that a company has tried to make me feel valued. You know, every right. Christmas I get a scrawled card from my. Right. The president of my university. Right. Without actually giving you any value. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, guy, like, just save your strength. Yeah. No, I don't need this card. Yeah. And listen, okay, listen to this carefully. Ready? I love you. Does that sound familiar? I love yeah. you. That's Kier. Yeah. No, but who is Kier? I love you. Oh, whose voice is that? Yeah. Ben Stiller. Oh. <laughs> Kobo schedules so more. That's, that, that, that's your real world theory. Ben Stiller <laughs> is here. <laughs> right, yeah. That's the whole twist. The, the whole twist. The uh, actual actor. <laughs> Kobo schedules Mark for a final wellness session with Miss Casey and appears disappointed when Mark and Miss Casey fail to remember each other as husband and wife. Any thoughts? Again, on... I don't know what you were thinking. Like what? Yeah. What what signs were you reading into? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why did you think this was going to work? Going to work? Did you put them in the same room together? You're like, yep. Yeah. Nailed it. But it's she's clearly work. like doing her best to get Mark to remember Miss Casey. To do you have any ideas like why? I yeah, guess I mean, just again, out of like, like morbid said... curiosity. Well, you, you think like it's like she's trying to find a flaw in the severance, you yeah, know, maybe. like they, like they've been trying to refine it for, right. you know, time and time and time again. And th this is the group of people that severance seems to kind of finally be working on. And, um, you know, potentially like that, that was my initial thought. Mm -hmm. Um, but but uh, I, I forgot <laughs> what my counter to that was. Sure. There's a reason that then made me think like, oh, no, she, she's not trying to find a flaw in it. Um, oh, oh, because then she says, get her back to the production floor or whatever. Testing floor. Yeah. She then orders Miss Casey sent back down to the testing floor, whose entrance is shown to be the same corridor in Irving's paintings. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if, you know, testing means that she didn't do what Kobel wanted her to do. Kobel wanted her to recognize Mark. So in Severance, why would she want something that Severance seems to be designed to prevent? You know, yeah. why would you send her to the to the testing point? So it seems like, no, she's not looking for a flaw. That in some way, what they're Evidencing now with severance is not the desired effect. Like, it doesn't seem to make sense with what 
I've been led to believe, you know, severance is meant to do. Well, and Miss Casey doesn't appear to know that she's severed or what the severance process is, right? Right. Well, she she also says this thing. like, she's like, I know I'm odd, you know? Yeah. And, and so she seems to have been subject to other procedures, you know, mm-hmm. on the testing floor. So, you know, I, I don't know what the story was, whether they saved her from the car. Like, she did get into a car accident, um, but they found her as like, oh, this is a RoboCop situation. Like, did we already they, have somebody. Did they cause the car accident? Right. Did, did they cause, or did she just gain the one? Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, we have a patient who's perfectly suited right now for what you guys want to do. So reconstruct her, you know, take up part of her brain or whatever, mm-hmm. make her make her this person and then sever her husband and you know we can continue our testing yeah uh while mdr celebrates quota cobell is fired by the board for withholding knowledge of heli's suicide attempt um any further feelings on whether or not heli is an egan you still we're still on board with that I, well, I was still I was trying to find other clues into it. I haven't seen any since since the last ones that were pointed out on the Reddit. Right, there weren't. No one has really responded to her differently. Yeah. There's that moment where she's working. You think like Cobell could have tipped her hand there. Oh, she's a she's special. She'll she'll do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she doesn't. She's just like oh she'll she'll do it. Um. So yeah. That it's still inconclusive to me, but I do feel, and we didn't get, so we know where Mark is, right? When he's about to be woken up, we didn't get to see any, anything right. where Kelly R is, right? So yeah. that, that's also a little, a little telling. They keep that so hidden. Well, and I'll say this, I watched the, I rewatched the eyebrow scene today while I was getting the sound bites. I'm convinced by the eyebrow scene alone, to be honest. <laughs> because, the Egan. Yeah. So yeah, because they walk. So they walk into the um, the little museum or whatever, right? And there's the statue of whoever in the is in the middle thing in the middle of the of the what wherever they're at, right? They're looking at the the dead guy who's who's propped up. Um. And Dylan says something like, man, that guy's got some monstrous eyebrows, right? And then it immediately cuts back to them. The M- Is it MDR or MRD? My- ma- macro-, macro data refinement, MDR. It cuts back to the MDR crew, right? Heli is in the, immediately is in the middle of the group, right? Dead center of the shot. Dylan and Irving are on either side. As soon as it cuts back, uh, the focus is on Dylan, and then it like um, does that transition focus thing on Heli and Dylan and Irving back out of the shot, and it's just her in the middle of the shot, and it's just you're just looking at her and her eyebrows. <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> it seems almost on, too on the nose at this point. <laughs> and then the very next shot is her standing in front of that sign that says something along the lines of, like, 
history lives within you, whether you know it or not, something like that. Right. And it's like, oh, this is kind of telling. Right. You convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in the eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, the MDR team prepares for Dylan to remotely awaken them on the outside. Heli kisses Mark before departing. Uh, is that earned? Yeah. Any interest in the Heli, Mark, Miss Casey love triangle that they're uh, building up here? They're setting up. Yeah. Have, have you um, – I, I mean, I feel like it's something that you, that you have to do, right? Like, you think about all the ways the severance would go wrong, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is – that that's one of the big ones, right? You mm-hmm. are married on the outside, and then you start a relationship on the inside, um, cr- creating an interesting, you know, kind of du- duality there. So right. I, I felt like that is such a obvious, rich, you know, kind of idea to explore that you had to explore it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely felt like, I mean, how much time do we have to go with this? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. where where are we going? with that whole thing um just to make it more painful when one of them dies you know um but yeah i mean you i i just felt like you had to do it with the with the setup Mm -hmm. are you watching severance alone yeah okay yeah julia tapped out after a couple episodes she says too boring uh mark's audi yeah, Mark's Audi attends Rickon's book party and tells Cobell as Miss Selvig that he plans to quit Lumen. Cobell herself, feeling betrayed by the company, encourage her encourages him to. Oh, we skipped over the whole exactly. So, skipped over the whole firing. Did they? No, she got fired, but they they skipped over the her um her freak out on the drive home was great. Patricia Arquette's been great. She's been great. Her freak out on the drive home is is amazing her, her being walked to the um stairwell by milkshake uh-huh yep that was great and then her answering the door and then like talking herself into going to the party was also really good <laughs> yeah yeah no she's been she's been really good and again it's it's that perfect balance of like with Rickon, you know where you have this like walking the sign of absurdity funny with, with her it's menace as well mm-hmm. you know um and yeah that that was great how she goes from answering the door in the state that she's in to being like oh perhaps i will drive myself and then i can leave if i'm uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah that, that was great yeah and i love how we're we've gotten to a point to where Mark is Mark's any is about to be woken up, right? And there's no other people you would want him to see woken up in front of than his boss and his yeah. self help guru. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And it yeah. and it doesn't feel it like it feels like it in in a sense it feels like the entire season was like orchestrated for this one moment but it also feels completely natural. None of it feels like forced. You know what I mean? Right. It also didn't make you feel like they're obviously gathering for, uh, for Rick and to read this book. Right. Mm -hmm. 
like Rickon would have a whole bunch of extra copies, right? Yeah. He seems he seems unwilling to give Mark another copy of his book. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I feel like Rickon would have a hundred literally in his closet. Right. You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, Mark, no, no problem. You can follow along here. Just grab one of the extras right behind you. Yeah. You know. Instead, he makes it sound like you know this is like the scripture. Like you need your own, and maybe we'll let someone borrow. And and again, it makes you wonder about the people because he's like, oh, this person will let you borrow, but let me ask her first, right? Where you're like, is Rickon representative of the wider populace? Are people really weird like that? Like, is that lady now happy that Rickon has approached her to ask if Mark could read on, or is she like, Rickon's such a weird guy? You yeah, know what I mean, for sure. There's another part of that Twitter. Th- Q&A where the actor who played Rickon apparently has this whole backstory for the character that he was given by uh, he didn't just make it up was my understanding but apparently he comes from like a very rich family and um, so I think it has more to do with that and then that, the, that, that track. the um the subreddit's also theorizing that maybe Dylan or Dylan, maybe um, Devin has married him for the money. Uh, Dylan receives a waffle party as a reward for meeting quota in which he dons a Keir Egan head and sits within, sits within a replica of Keir's bedroom in the perpetuity wing while ritualistic and seductive dances are performed in front of him. Yeah. What'd you think of that? Uh, so he gets his waffle party. There is a great meme on the subreddit that uh, when he finished eating his waffles, the message said, uh, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Right? Like from a Christmas story? Right. I thought that was a nice little meme. So there's a post on the subreddit where it's comparing um, – just a section of the painting to one of the stills from the um, this the dance the ritualistic thingy, yeah. And there's like a angel ish lady, right? There's an old lady with long hair. There's a jester, which one of the dancers is wearing a big jester head, and then there's a animal head, right? We talked about this before. I can't remember the differences. Which animal has the long spiral horns on top of their head? A goat. A goat. A goat. Okay, so there's a goat head dancer too. <laughs> um. So yeah. So there's some significance to that. Ramp. <laughs> what were, uh, What were your thoughts on it? Just like. I mean, to me, it's just I, like, yeah, this is, again, like, uh, uh, at this point, like, I'm giving all credit to to the show. Like, I'm not questioning anything, but watching them, just like, I don't have any idea what's going on. You you were like a goat. Watching. Yeah, exactly. I'm like a little baby <laughs> lamb. Your brain is just like munching grass. <laughs> while going on in front of you. Um, yeah, I... I thought it visually is very like well done. I thought, of course, when you hear waffle party, um, it's got it's got to be it's, that has to be it, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, of course it's gonna be a waffle, but uh, 
the only other thought that I had watching it was I can never finish a full like Belgian waffle. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's too much, too dense, you know, mm-hmm. and Dylan wanted to sound like a champ, yeah. you know, um, but I could not have done that. I just, there'd definitely be some leftovers. <laughs> Yeah, and then imagine doing that and then going and sitting in someone's bed and having to watch these weird dancers. Uh, Dylan leaves yeah. midway to access the security. Dylan leaves, leaves midway through the uh, waffle party to access, which is another thing that's kind of like, did these people really not see him get up and leave? Well, <laughs> right? They're are, dancing are those, right in front of him. What makes you feel like, are, is that all they do? Are those the dancers? <laughs> Like yeah. they just sit there all day until they get called for a waffle party. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, like where, where are they coming from? <laughs> like what cage? Um, but yeah, I mean they also they have big heads on. You can't you can't really see very well. I'm sure. True. Uh, Dylan leaves midway and activates the overtime contingency to awaken Mark Irving and Helly's innies in the outside world. This is another thing that bothered me a little bit. Just a little nitpicky thing. This is, I mean, I guess it started in the last episode when they started the overtime plan, right? And the and when the very first time it came up, they said, oh, it's you have to have two people to do it. It's a two-man job, right? And they're going over the thing. They're going over the thing. But then the episode ends with this, like, oh, I can't. Can I reach? Am I going to reach it? And it's like, you knew that this was going to happen. Just bring like right. a stick or something. <laughs> bring something yeah. with you to extend your reach. <laughs> it's just like bring, this fake three drama that's not needed. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. when you have an opportunity to add a little drama to a scene, you know, you, you say, hey, can you reach a little bit make it look painful? Yeah, I guess so. Especially after eating all those waffles. Yeah, exactly. That was a big, big stretch after so much waffle. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's the end of the episode. Somebody on the subreddit took a screenshot of the different protocols. So when Dylan is going through the manual for the overtime procedure, there's actually a bunch of different protocols in there. And so someone um, went through and wrote them all down. Here's what they're called. We don't have definitions for any of them. We just have the names. Uh, Beehive. Okay. Branch transfer. (laughs) Probably makes a new innie with none of the previous memories as they've moved to another department. Clean slate. Can they completely erase someone's memory? Elephant. Maybe how they make them remember something. Elephants are known for having good memories. Good memories, yeah. Right. Freeze frame. Uh, Glasgow. Goldfish. Temporary memory loss? Question mark. Lullaby puts them to sleep. Kills them. Mm. Open house and overtime. Open house. Data dump. Or just you can mm. see everything. Yeah. 
But then people are using that to theorize that Irv has been reprogrammed. Maybe he is the branch transfer. Or yeah. maybe he has been branch transferred. Maybe from optics and design, you think? Yeah, because that's the other thing, too. Him and Bert seem to have, like, a familiarity before the before we first saw them meet, right? Yeah, and, and he's a painter on the outside. Like, seems like he would be suited for O and B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's those two episodes. I have a couple of just random things that I made um, that I that I made notes of. If we want to go over those, if you don't have anything else to say about the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I still really have enjoyed. You know, pretty much everything. There's a few little nitpicks here and there. I think that are expected, but mm. I've super enjoyed everything up to this point and the only thing that I know is this next episode the finale is on the shorter side yeah it's only 40 minutes so yeah before I get into these let's talk about there's only one episode left any expectations um, anything that you specifically want to see like answered or addressed Um. yeah you know I think I've never been somebody who is hyper-focused on every season yeah. clearing itself up. Like, I'm I'm okay with questions, and I, I definitely get the sense from this that there's more to this story, you know? Um, just in, in the way season one has kind of played out so far, I, I get the feeling like, Again, it makes me feel, without using the finale, it makes me feel like there's definite room for for season two. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay going into, you know, I'm okay with, with some questions still maybe about what Lumen does and what their overall goal is. What I want answered are more character questions. I'd love to know where everybody stands, you know? Um, so is Coble now a, a now an agent? Like, how is she going to handle Mark waking up? Is she right? Is that going to flip her? Um, and how we are? I I I just need to know, right? Like, what she's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm expecting a death or two. I think Irving is probably set up well to be killed off in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I guess we'll see. Um, and maybe Dylan as the one who's still on the inside. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, I'm okay with bigger mysteries. I just hope that we know where people stand in the show. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I could see Dylan getting caught and killed. Right, getting caught yeah. in the security office or whatever. I uh, I don't think I have any like concrete expectations. I feel like I've at every turn that I've felt skeptical or had a concern, like they've always made 
the right decision or not even the right decision, like a smarter decision than I could ever imagine. And so I'm yeah. completely feel like completely comfortable that the, the writer and uh, Dan Erickson and Ben Stiller know totally what they're doing. And I'm fine with just whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So here are some, couple of random things that I thought was interesting and some thoughts that I've had about the show. One post from Reddit says, do any's like Kelly understand convincing their Audi to quit is basically suicide. And I think Helly's any is pretty aware of that from <laughs> everything we've seen. Uh, she doesn't seem too bothered by that, but I did start to have this thought of like, I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm on board with the idea just for the sake of the show. But the more I think about it, the less I'm bothered about the severed procedure. Like, I don't see what the big deal is, kind of. <laughs> so, so the more that you've accepted that it's suicide for any to basically be, like, integrated out of existence. No, what I, what the, I the mean is... The more comfortable you are. What I mean is... What I mean is the 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 less I see being severed as this like huge deal of like you're creating a whole separate person, you're splitting your life in half. You know what I mean? Like we don't act that way about going to sleep, and that's basically all it is. You're just unconscious for eight hours, and your brain is oh still doing stuff. Monster! Your brain what is still doing stuff, and then you just wake up and you're awake. Yeah, but but again, your your sleeping self is not a distinct person. You know, it's not somebody. I mean, it is who then though. Is, your sleeping self is still you. Activated, it, it, it's not somebody who's activated with any sorts of like desires and wants. It's something that's activated that then just spews up. You know, whatever. But your sleeping self's wants and desires are your wants and desires because it's you. You're just asleep. Yeah, I I, I think that <laughs> that's a very problematic view <laughs> that misses a, a very big reality of the difference between uh -huh. a, your unconscious mind and severing a, a an awareness, right? Like, you, you're that's really what you're doing. You know, when you're asleep versus awake you're still you you're you're aware at some level right mm -hmm. of your of your consciousness which is why you dream and you can remember it sometimes and all that but when you sever then you are cutting that awareness off and so you're purposefully like excising that 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 portion of you uh and again you're you're showing it disrespect because you're if you ever want to go back or whatever else, you're like, yeah, I'll just kill it. You know, mm -hmm. I'll just stop. But it just won't ever wake up again. You know, that's fine with me. Yeah, I don't know. You monster. I mean, it's still yourself. I guess I just, I don't know. I can't get past the idea that it's still just you. You're still, I, I you're basically you're just asleep. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's still just you, except, again, it's that, it's that severing of the awareness. You know what I mean? It's it's making that other part of you more aware of itself, right? Uh -huh. You're you're almost waking it up just so you can say like, "Hey, 
now you know what being awake is. Mm-hmm. I'm in total control of that. Just so you know. Uh, something else. Let's see. Oh, what is going on with class wealth in this? I guess we already talked about this. Uh, there, there seems to be like we talked about. There seems to be something going on with like food and with like wealth. And I think the impression I'm getting at this point is, I don't expect, and I don't even necessarily want there to be like a fully fleshed out explanation of these dynamics you know what i mean i feel like they're fine just kind of being background noise you know what i mean yeah yeah i i I wish i could remember something today made me think of this because i I think i was on letterboxd or something i was Mm -hmm. gonna write a review about something and it was uh i guess it was a movie like i can't for the life of me remember what it was but I was reading what somebody said about it and they were they were kind of critiquing it. And I remember I just had a thought and I was like, the problem with whatever this was, whatever it was that I was, that I was thinking about or just watched, is to me it struck me as a rich person's like deep thought. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's to me, maybe it is classic, um, but to but to almost immediately discount if you are coming from like extreme wealth it's almost like yeah how much insight can you have on mm-hmm. the human condition <laughs> i almost don't want to know what you think is is like like the like what a very rich person would give themselves over to in, in order to like convey meaning about the world to me at this point in my life, I almost would inherently discount and be like, "Yeah, I bet that's kind of stupid." I hope they had a, I hope they had somebody else come in and and help them develop that idea mm-hmm. because uh, there's no way that with all that time and money to give in, you know, to, to give over to just contemplating, you know, the nature of the world that you're going to hit on anything interesting. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know, and so. It definitely makes me think like, oh yeah, Rickon as a product of extreme wealth is exactly it. Like that's exactly the type of idea that I have where you just have endless time and money and what you're going to come up with is like whatever I get rejected by. Well, that's me right. being counterculture. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's me speaking truth to to these systems that oppress. And meanwhile, it's like you don't even know what oppression like. There's no way for you to even conceive of what that is, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah. So he, he does strike me as that. And I can't, uh, I'm so, I know it's not going to come back to me. Um, at least not while we're recording. But anyway, it, that is my critique of some movie. And I don't think I ever wrote it <laughs> or posted it. I think I just thought it and forgot. There you go. Yep. Now it's been recorded forever. Yeah, about about something I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Um, has anyone proposed? Okay. Now, tell me if you've heard this one before. Okay. You ready? I remember what it is. Oh, what is it? Oh, I screwed up your drum roll. No, go ahead. It was Windfall. Oh yeah. What you? So you watched Windfall? 
yeah. Did, did you did you watch it? Mm-hmm. What did you think? I thought it was fine. Yeah, I I think my my takeaway is that's a really really rich privileged guy, really doing his best to think of something meaningful. Right. He's like and, you're right. He's doing his best to like grasp at this argument that like so many people live day to day you know what i mean and for him it's just like good enough to be like half a movie basically (laughs) exactly exactly like that that's exactly it and oh man now i'm gonna go back and and find a way to way to post it because it was like listen it was fine it's it's totally fine but again when you think about like oh man this is the product of a guy of extreme privilege right and this is the the movie came up with you know it was just like he was sweating you know there are nights where he was just like sweating bullets just trying to be like what does it mean to have class warfare what does it mean to you know be right? like uh-huh. you know he was just giving it his all yeah. and that's what that's what came out it's like yeah a perfectly serviceable you know kind of take other than maybe i don't know having the uh the uh the groundskeeper <laughs> impale himself <laughs> on a piece of broken glass because <laughs> panic right. to run yeah. uh might might have been a little unintentionally uh <laughs> you know funny towards towards that character um yeah maybe you could have filmed it in a way that's more shocking and not like goofy <laughs> not looney tunes <laughs> not, not looney tunes i definitely was like laughing and it got to the point where i was like i don't think that he meant like as soon as like he gets up it. here whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> exactly <laughs> with the way that the body just like <laughs> totally slumped against the yeah bus. anyway anyway yep that was it okay final was. theory final theory you ready for it yeah drum roll Has anyone proposed the purgatory afterlife theory yet? Oh, shut up. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way, right? No, no, no of course not. No, they are not in purgatory. Oof. That would, uh, that would make me, I would delete this podcast. I would delete all of our episodes. <laughs> That's it. It would end end our podcast. <laughs> All right, so um, the finale is on Thursday. Yeah. What do you want to do about it? Do you want to? What do you mean do? Well, we're going out of town this weekend, and so we'll be out of town during the week. Do you want to try and maybe do like a quick? episode on saturday and then do another follow-up during the week or just save everything during the week um or somehow towards I think the I, end I of missed, next week like thursday or friday so you're, you're going out of town this weekend this right week? we're, we're leaving sunday morning and then we'll be back wednesday or thursday oh okay i see so we could watch it friday record saturday maybe have the kids hang out or or w- would it be a remote? Yeah, it'd have to be remote. Oh, it'd be remote. Um, yeah. Or we yeah, just I mean, save everything until next week. 
I'm, I'm fine getting it out. Okay. Uh, earlier is better. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we could see how this sounds. Yeah. And okay. if it doesn't sound like total butt, then, yeah, Saturday's. Saturday yeah, maybe just work. do a quick reaction on Saturday, and then uh, I'd like to do an episode where we can just kind of follow everything up and collect all of our thoughts and go through the season as a whole. I think that sounds great. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. That's all I've got. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys There it is. Bye-bye. <laughs> there we go. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.